necessary intro song to totally waste your time. There. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, hello there. Uh, welcome back to the show. Back because they left. Right, they left for a while. They went somewhere else. They didn't. This didn't just keep going. Yeah. You know, on a on a thing. You know how podcasts go. They just go to the next one, right? Right. So they just listened to my uh, wasty, timey intro song. Perfect. Which and now I've got an I've got a guest. He's it's, already it's been talking, but you don't know who it is. Oh yeah. You're talking already. I haven't introduced you. Should I have not spoken yet? I don't I don't think there are any kind of parameters on these podcasts. You want to know why? Why? They're free. <laughs> exactly. No. There isn't a per- <laughs> we could we could drag this out forever. I don't have a sponsor. Right. There isn't an ad that's running. Nobody's going to be bummed if we just keep talking about nothing. Yeah. And see, while we're doing this the suspense is building. They're wondering, they're well, wondering they're, where you are, who I am. There's three listeners that are listening to this, me and you, and then <laughs> right. somebody else. Right, right my wife. <laughs> and my suspense as a listener is already building. Yes. Because I'm thinking, I don't know, who is this person that uh, I'm interviewing? Who would Merkley interview? Yeah, who would I interview? It'd have to be someone super interesting, of Yeah, course. and am I interviewing? That's the other question still, too, is I think this isn't really an interview. It's a, it's a conversation. It's called the opinion machine. Right. You're an opinion machine. I'm an opinion machine. Right. A lot of times in life, it's polite to not have an opinion. Yes. I think a lot of people go through life not having an opinion. Or not having it and not, not expressing, expressing it. it. I, I fall in that fine. camp sometimes. I think you do. Yes. I think I you do. I have but... You're a very polite person. But let me first... So let's talk about my opinion about you. Okay. Really quick. Before We haven't <laughs> no. even introduced you. That's even better. Um, I've known a lot of musicians in my life. Many. Not as many as some, but more than most. Right? That makes sense. Probably. Yeah, especially with what you do. And I was thinking about this on the way over here. I don't... I think you are... I'm pretty sure you're the most talented of all the composers I've Good know. Lord. Easy. Like, I think that's a, that's a pretty simple thing. You know what I mean? Thank you. And for you, for people that don't know who this is, <laughs> this is John Hancock. And that's his real name. And he really did part. sign the Declaration of Independence. It's true. How many years old are you now? I, I stopped counting at least 50 years ago. 52 so, years ago, <laughs> to be exact. <laughs> that's when you stopped counting, okay. Yeah. No, John is a master, one of the masterminds, I guess, behind Late Night Alumni, which is a group that is famous, more famous in the Philippines than anywhere else. Is that true? I wouldn't say Phil, uh, t- <laughs> Taiwan, we have a very big market. But you guys are in huge Asia. in certain uh, circles, and, uh, and the EDM scene, you're pretty big, too, because you're on... Cascades record label and your music is better than any of that stuff. <laughs> the EDM stuff is what I'm saying. Now, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've been around long enough to have some quote-unquote air quoting I'm doing classic uh, yeah. dance songs that go back to, we were just talking about it, 2003 our first song came out. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's been long enough to kind of seep into a generation, I think. And you just had a new album come out. We did, just a couple weeks ago. this part seems like an interview, doesn't it? 
A little more. Because now it seems like I got some cards here and I'm trying to get your plugs out. Well, but actually, I really do want to know about it because I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't. I've. I saw that you posted it, but I just haven't gotten around to listening That's okay. to it. Is there's so much music coming out now? Do you it's like a it? Fire hose of music these days. What do do I like about, our album? Yeah, the new one. I'm really uh, yes, I like it a lot because it's. We just wrote a, songs we liked and put them out, and it wasn't until the end we're like, oh, a lot of this isn't very dance. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is slower or mid tempo stuff and just fun grooves that which we I think is and, fine like honestly no, I like the we dance love stuff it. I mean Late Night Alumni has never been a true dance hit other than a couple of songs that were kind of in a I don't even know if deep house chill house kind of world yeah well, we're an anomaly and we're super comfortable with that do, the, do EDM people get upset when there isn't a drum I don't why would they they like love songs just like everybody else I think I think that would be a question for the more DJ-centric people around us, like Cascade. Uh, he talks about that a lot, that you know, certain fans show up and they don't know where the drop is. That's a conversation. But I don't think anybody's surprised, if they know Light Night Alumni, no one's expecting a drop. They're probably more surprised by a drop from well, us. Well, and that's, you're also talking about a live performance, where they're yes. accustomed to a certain type of show. And I've said this about the EDM crowd. Mostly, a lot of it is... A lot of that music is just, hey, look, I have a functioning vagina. I have, the other guys are, I have a functioning penis. Let's move our bodies around and dance and breed. We got a certain drum beat that, that is similar to the beat of sex. And so let's just demonstrate our sexual prowess next to each other while we get sweaty and smell each other's pheromones. And, and crack then, the code. And then EDM is kind of like the soundtrack for that. Right. It's essentially porn, pre-porn music. That makes sense. It's the preamble to the porn music. That makes sense. It's breeding music. It's mating music. Kind of, right? Yeah, on, on a, the most tribal level, probably. Yeah. yeah. But it's not, it, it's not like dance by yourself. The thing about, well, I guess EDM breaks up into different um, categories, doesn't it? Thousands of them now. It's hard to even keep track. What would be subs. your subgenre? Late night and late night. Uh, we have asked, we've asked fans that, and we can't get a straight answer. We don't know. It's a chill. It's kind of house music, a lot of it, but it's pretty. We'll break into some jazzy brush drum thing. It's pretty. We don't think about it that it's much. It's moody. It's actually got good lyrics. It's basically you guys are kind of cheating in a way. I think. Yeah. You're you're putting you're basically just putting basic good old songwriting and composition on top of an EDM beat because you got a good in there. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's which I think is probably why we've had a harder time breaking maybe bigger than we have, especially in the live performance thing because clubs don't know what to do with us. Yeah. They book us as a dance act, but then we show up and we have dance-ish songs. I'm air quoting a lot here, but it's not a DJ who's going to be like, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to play the first half of this song and then go to another song for a half of that song." We play the song all the way through, and sometimes the song actually ends. Yeah. And people applaud like at a concert. And so it it kind of it can be a little confusing, I think, for some And you're clubs. kind of in that with the record label and what's just your whole background you're you're kind of in there so and that's a really self-contained world isn't it yeah it has its own parameters definitely even if they're not written out i think but that's why we're always kind of dancing around the edge of that 
Like, I mean, you could you, you could think of it as a way, like, what if Bob Dylan somehow got his first start in the ska music scene? <laughs> exactly. And suddenly all of his songs yeah. had that ska rhythm because the machine was set up to support that rhythm. Yeah, for Yet sure. Yet the songs are the same with, with or without it. I yeah. mean... A song is a song. Yes. A good song can translate into any genre, yes. is what I think. And we, yeah, our songs we can play just on a piano. And in fact, some of the most fun shows we've done are just these little tiny things for fans where I'm just sitting at a keyboard or maybe a guitar and we just come up with like pretty jazzy versions of our songs and play them live. We love that. I would guess that, and I've been to backstage of a bunch of your shows, I would it seems to me like your real hardcore fans really love the song part of it most. I agree. They they Absolutely. They, they love yeah. the, the emotional content of the productions, the lyrical content, and stuff like that. So, because EDM doesn't need a song. Right. It doesn't need a song. You need a beat and a drop, and you need to demonstrate your sexual moves. You need a backdrop for that. Uh, sometimes a simple vocal hook, even if it's just one line, one phrase repeated here and there. Especially if it is along the lines of how to hook up and breed. Yes. If there is, no, a, if there is a breeding element to it, like, oh, baby, got a nice butt. Yes, you know, thank you. Something a little bit. That you have heard the new album. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby, got a nice butt. Baby, got a nice butt. Most of the songs are basically that. but um, It's true. When did you start? You, you, a little bit of background. I've known you for how long? Let's let's think how long we've known each other. I was trying to remember the first time I met you, and I don't have like a distinct hello. I am John. Yeah, you are Merkley moment. It's been it's been probably early nineties. Yeah, I was in my early twenties at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're you were in a band language. called Basic Language. I was in a band called Swim Herschel Swim. Right. And uh, but I'm trying to think of how you came on the radar. And I think it might have been more in the, um, when it came to mastering a Swim Herschel Swim record, I think, or mixing. I don't think I did anything on Swim I know you didn't, all. but I think you might have, I either met you through Mike Ross Kelly, or Mike Ross Kelly came as a recommendation from you. Maybe. And was Corey involved? Maybe Corey had something yeah. to do with it. I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah, a long time. And a you've always time. had a lot of talent. You've always been like, as far as... That's what I, I kind of want to talk about more. Because here's my opinion about you again. This is another opinion that I have about you. Okay. You're not bound to this. Okay. But I think out of all the musicians I know, you should be the wealthiest. <laughs> I, if, if, I don't know how to make the sound of blushing cringing <laughs> no but i but mean really thank you, thank you and i'm not saying you're not wealthy you're obviously you're doing well you've got a nice life family beautiful house blah 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 thank you. but to me with the music the scoring stuff when you do it seems like you should be scoring big films producing big things um why 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 isn't that why isn't why aren't you... <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> That's a different kind of interview question than people usually get. Why aren't you doing better? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm No, but I know what you mean. Though. I know what you mean. I, I like... I know you've been to the Grammys. I know... Did you win a Grammy? Uh, some stuff I worked on uh, related to Cascade was nominated yeah. for Grammy. Yeah. But I got to go, which was really fun. See, I know why I'm not famous. 
because I don't I, I avoid the things that make people famous yeah. and whenever I get to a place where it seems like that's happening i sabotage the whole thing yes i quit i <laughs> turn it upside that. down light it on fire and say that, fuck yes. that you know but you seem to keep plodding along and sometimes i think it might be because of your non-expressiveness of your opinion could be i'm i'm a terrible self-promoter that's for sure yeah i'm really yeah, my, my mom is always saying, you're too humble about these things. And I've always, one piece of advice, I couldn't tell you who gave it to me early on that I wish, that I wouldn't give anybody now, is if you do good work, that's all it takes. Like, if you do good work, the rest will follow. But I don't think that's true. No, it, it isn't you, true. I think that's only half of it. The other is you've got to be self-promoted. I, you know, we, we all know people who aren't that great at something but man they're just really good at making yeah. things happen and constantly I mean, on the phone with people and a, hustling a sometimes a good thing will Some, get, get totally. sprung forward you know you, you can put those things together but I'd never developed that I just had a I'm just going to do good work and these things will happen and it has obviously I've, I've been able to do this for over 25 years now but I I know and appreciate what you're saying. And I'm still trying to figure out that hustle and figure out how to make that happen. Well, I mean, it's certainly not a criticism either because, honestly, I have, there's nobody more critical than of fame and yeah. all that stuff than me. I personally look at most people that rise to that level and I just think their priorities are probably a little I don't, whack. Yeah, I don't really want that. I mean, I've been, I love touring, and the, but it's more of the... The fun of to the travel and the excitement of being on stage, but it's never a. They're looking at me. Yeah, <laughs> these people like me. It's more like, oh, they like what I made. Yeah, and they came out, and I'm really grateful, and it's super cool, and I'm, you know. I mean, that is that is pretty cool when you see a whole huge crowd of people singing, huge crowd singing your songs with smiles on their faces. We I just posted a flashback Friday today of. Our first show in Taiwan, and there are thousands of people on the other side of the world singing along. That's kind of weird, too, huh? Yeah, and it was really amazing. They were so great to us, and it was just nothing but gratitude. There was yeah. no sense of fame. It was more, wow, I made something with my friends in our basements and years ago, and it connected with a bunch of people on the other side of the world. Yeah, and yet also within that machine. Um, even when that happens, there's a label behind it, somebody pushing. But when it when it sprouts up in another country, that's really that's kind of a weird thing because you can't blame it on the record company. You a little bit, a, a little, little bit? bit, because the record companies over there, you know, we're also connected now. This this is also obviously the only thing could have happened in the era we're in. Is Turn your microphone the other way. I've been talking Does that this sound way better? Did time. everybody just notice the difference? <laughs> the button. What's funny is your record button was up here. I had it upside here. down. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I handed it, it to you. Sorry, way. everyone. Did it? Did did all of a sudden John Hancock's voice become more boomy? <laughs> he was holding the direct the microphone. The wrong, I was holding. That's my super technical. It's a it's a regular right microphone, and he was holding it upside down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was spinning it around my head. He thought at that the would same work. Time. He's an experimental producer. Right. I I didn't want to scare anyone. Anyway, back to Taiwan. So how how did they have their record label over there? Uh, it's called High Note Records. Just so you know, a different label. A different label, and You're actually. 
the label. Yeah, and that they they do that a lot. Labels just work out a licensing deal with each other. Reached out to our label, and they are the ones who actually you know promoted our music in Asia, yeah. including printing CDs and things. Sometimes we weren't even doing in the states, so we were really shocked to get over there, and they're posters of Becky at restaurants. <laughs> and, oh, really? Yeah, and they were like selling CDs. Like it was, it was so, really. So words, they're a label on the ground. Doing some hard work. Doing hard work and promoting late night alumni, you know, because they were selling the record and working out whatever deal they had then. So, you know, we've known each other long enough to know when, well, I, I can only speak for myself, but I remember I was much more, not not jaded, but self-entitled when I was young. And I yeah. I kind of sneered down my Who nose isn't? at labels, fuck labels, yeah, fuck yeah. this, yeah. fuck, you know. And the older I get, the, the more I realize, you know, oh, they make too much money. They're, they're fucking stealing from the artists, man. Right. right, But then I realize that really, even if your shit is really good, when it gets ubiquitous like that, when it gets, it takes a team. A big team to make team. it happen, to yeah. put the posters in the restaurants, to do all that stuff. And if if you don't have those people, then it doesn't get done. You're just a guy making podcasts in his bedroom. <laughs> yeah, and the and the thing is, is you know, a person can now distribute and do yeah. it all themselves, but. That. So can everybody else now. So can everybody else. So it's exactly. like, yes, you can put your stuff out now without a label, and it will get on all the platforms you need. Just you know, these companies like CD Baby and and you know, there's like a dozen others like that that will get it out there. But so is everybody else. So now you're screaming even louder. I think to be heard now over the masses, not to get some label to pay well, attention to. Well, because now the you. now the responsibility that used to be the label would take it up thanklessly, except yeah. for with money. Yeah. And you don't you don't hear many people talking about the greatest record label of all time. Yeah, not you very know? much. You don't you don't see do they even give it a Grammy for the greatest record label? <laughs> no. It seems kind of <laughs> weird that they don't, right? Right. Like I guess they do the R I A A. What's who's that? I mean, they probably give awards for that shit. Yeah, you know, and they're sharing in whatever gold records and stuff we used to do more of. Yeah, for sure. But my arrogance and my has subsided on all that stuff, you know, because I realized no, that's a legitimate thing: marketing, getting it out there. I mean, and they push a lot of crap that rises, but the thing is, the difference is they will also push good shit, and the good shit goes everywhere. Yeah, they just they want success. Do you know what I'm Whatever talking about, though? You know, I, I kind of struggle with this idea, too. Back in the old days, we were all fed a bunch of music, right? Yes. And we all learned it because we all learned it from pop radio. So we all knew the same song. Right. And we could all sing it. Now the world has splintered in so many different directions. Everybody can have their own. It's like a restaurant. You order your own thing. And there isn't any longer this thing where everybody knows a song. Yeah. Exactly. Is that it's good very or bad? splintered. I don't know. What was it? I saw, I think it was one of those Onion articles says uh, Spotify is now happy to announce one artist for every listener. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you know what That's I mean? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 The long tail and the specialization, the niches have become so small. And I'm wondering, is that good? Because I'm an individualist. So it seems good to me. Yeah. But at the same time, that. That magic of 
the whole world all knowing a song at the same time. I and mean, you can't deny that. Right. And that, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, because there's a collectiveness to that. And, and it's kind of creepy. That's why, I'm, that's why I don't have a fully... I, I can argue both sides of this because when those moments when you're in a crowd and everybody's singing the same lyric and you get the, the hair stand up on the back of your neck, yeah. you know, and you go, wait, isn't this how Nazi Germany worked? Or big religious cults <laughs> yeah, or anything. Yeah, exactly. But it speaks to, I mean, that's still here now. Like, I literally just a few minutes ago watched uh, a live stream of Dead Mouse and his big electronic cube at Creamsfield. And, um, uh, it was, you know, everyone's there for this moment and staring at this monolith. Yeah. <laughs> he was the, he was barely there. I mean, he was there, but he, he was mostly hiding inside the cube. And he was, yeah. you know, and I think we just have something in us that wants, or for most people, really want to be part of this big thing in a big moment. And it's a big part it's probably, of electronic music. It's primal. Yeah. It's yeah. probably a nationalist kind of tribal um yeah, just it's an army, military. It's de- well, safety. it definitely is. These these you know fans of certain artists are definitely fall into a camp and they follow each other and go to certain things and they create communities around it. Yeah, and generally it's all been really really positive. Cascade has a whole team of people that just that's called Cascade Connect, and it's like a social thing where they're all together and it's super positive and and it makes a lot of people very happy. So. How can you have anything <laughs> too much against something like that? Exactly. I mean, I mean, I can think of something. Yeah. Jim gonna, Jones. Right as I said that, I'm Jim like, Jim Jones well. comes to mind, you know. Uh, somebody, <laughs> There's good ones. If somebody becomes a figurehead for something like that and things can go. I'm sure Jim Jones was thinking uh, positive things as he got all those people together and they probably had some wonderful meetings where That's they all, true. the hair stuff they sang some beautiful songs that guys like me and you wrote right you know and new, next new thing you know have DJs next for thing sure. you know they're all bloated out in the sun because <laughs> you know, they drink Kool-Aid <laughs> exactly because they trusted the dude because of all the beautiful songs he wrote which on a side note if you notice how many people use that term drink the Kool-Aid but you know they don't know this well, Jim Jones story yeah it's just become a term but it's like do you guys know what this means I mean yeah. you're the guys you're not using it wrong, but for sure. Yeah, I mean, I just those images of people bloated in the sun, floated out with their arms around their kids. Oh gosh, that was yeah. just crazy. But I mean, all this stuff has elements to that. Yeah, you know, I just made a podcast where I'm, you know, the yin and yang of all these things. That's kind of as I get older, I'm realizing that's why my my disdain for the business side and the capitalists and the money grubbing record labels is yeah. kind of subsided because i'm realizing there's value there maybe there's yeah it's it's hard <laughs> yeah you start to realize value in structure like even is it it might even be valuable that we all know the same shitty songs yeah you know like it might even be valuable that we all hate kesha you know, she was. It might be valuable that she was crammed down our throats. Everybody hated it, but they kept cramming it down our throats, regardless. And at a certain point, you say, "Okay, you relent. You soften up your esophagus. You loosen it up, and you just allow them to insert Kesha down your throat." <laughs> you know, and then suddenly, right. ten years goes by, and that song comes on, and there's this weird nostalgia that isn't even that bad. Yeah. Yeah, things become ironic after a while, and then it's fun to bring up Spice Girls or whatever you were into. Because it triggers a memory. Yeah, whatever you were into the 90s or 2000s or, yeah. 
and maybe triggering a mass memory is good. Maybe, maybe you know, when you're at the park and you Kesha comes on ten years from now, and you all equally look at each other and go, "Oh, remember this bullshit?" Yeah. Remember now, this fucking poker usually face I song? find myself more like, "Oh, turn that up. That's funny." Yeah, and you know what? What's your opinion about liking things ironically? Um. It's short-lived. Like it's nothing you can do too much of. You can't sit and do. You can't sit and listen to something ironically for hours and hours. Like you can listen to something you love. Yeah. Ironically, I went and saw Lover Boy um, the other night. A friend of mine was okay working the show. He does backline for these bands that are now touring around. These old bands and mm-hmm. uh, realizing they can cash in on their old fans. Sure. Know? And why not? Which, I'm, by the way, yeah, I have no I'm problem with that. I'm saying that cynically, but I mean, literally at the show, I was going, look at these people. They love to back Believe band. me, the young bands are cashing in, too. Yeah, I have Everybody's no Everybody's cashing in. That's <laughs> another thing that 10 years ago, I would have said, that's embarrassing. Come on, guys. Yeah. Hang it up already. Yeah, it's like, give up what you love and the million people who love what you do. Yeah. Because I think it's silly. But I didn't like Loverboy back then. So right. I did kind of, I'm thinking, did I enjoy it ironically? No, I, I kind of, I enjoyed the triggers of the memories and the yeah. things that it brought back, even though most of the people who liked Loverboy back in the day were kind of assholes that wanted to give me a new waiver. <laughs> They're the ones that called me a faggot. Right. You know what I mean? But they liked Loverboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They liked Loverboy. Exactly. exactly. And Freddie Mercury. <laughs> right, and, exactly. and the gay guy from, was it Iron Maiden or Judas Priest? Yeah, Judas Rob Priest. Rob Halford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're worshiping these gay guys. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, calling me a faggot because they're right. wearing pink socks and white shoes. Yeah. Dressed like Duran Duran. Or like when we would have, well, I don't know if you did, but I, I had a, like a mullet in the 80s. But that was a new wavy, right? That wasn't trucks, you know, that was not a trucker thing no, at all. No, it was. I, I, it was I, like new wavy. So it, I had that. So I, I was called like preppy uh, whatever yeah. well I, I had basically up for the first three albums I had the exact same hairdos before they came out of Roland Orzabal he and I always had the same haircut but I already had it by the time his album came out his solo album you're talking about just Tears Roland for Fears Tears for Fears yeah, I, yeah but I mean I'm just thinking of his wavy his kind of long his first one was a new wave shaved around the back long in the front oh, and yeah, then yeah. and the second one he had tight to the side he, he basically had a mullet he yeah. had what is now known as a baseball yeah, mullet. That was, but it was cool as fuck. That was back edgy. Then. Yeah, back then. Yeah, and then he had the, the third one was a big bob, kind of going for the sixties. Yeah, know, whatever. And I always matched. We always had the same haircut, and I That's wasn't awesome. copying him. Uh, it's just that the albums came out, and I was like, "Hey, he's hey. got the same haircut as me yeah. once again." Yeah. That's funny. Okay, but with the ironic music thing, yeah. I'm not so sure that ironic enjoyment is really a thing. I think enjoyment is just enjoyment. I agree. Yeah, well, I, I think people will put on ironic so that they can distance not feel themselves. In, distance yeah, so their friends can't make too much fun of them. They're still attached to some kind of coolness. Well, I'm just looking at it ironically. Fuck you. Just enjoy just it. Just enjoy it. Just embrace it. Whatever it is you enjoy about it. Okay, I think it goes back to what we're talking about, the tribalness. Because, you know, when I was young, a certain style of music you listened to defi- was part of what defined you. Like your haircut yeah. or your clothes. Oh, yeah. And I listened to this music. Yep. And so if I listen to that music, then I'm, I'm betraying my tribe or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. But I remember my first records, oh, this is going to date me so bad, but I'm like 11 <laughs> or 12. Cares? And I bought, yeah, that's the other thing. Who cares about that anymore? Yeah. Um, I went out and bought music like when you were buying cassettes and stuff at the same time i bought 
Queen, uh, Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah. And Charlie Daniels' band, The Devil Went Down to oh, Georgia. two of my favorites. And I did not think anything nope. about these are different. No. I would literally just put on the one. They're know. music. They're just music. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this has a funny story about the devil yeah. playing the fiddle really well. <laughs> 11-year-old John thought this was super rad. But oh, I, I turn around and then another one bites the dust. Well, just I just played that over and over and over. Okay, so and so you didn't have any connection. I didn't. I wasn't connecting to even no. other kids with that. Uh-uh. I heard that. I reacted to it musically. Well, that and, was kind of before the split up of genres, anyway. Well, at least for kids our age, because you don't really get that tribal thought until you're what fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, when your friends and the cool kid is doing X, Y, or Z, and so you're, and, and that's boy, what you're if you told do. a kid that they're trying to find their tribe, then they'd say, "No, I'm not. I'm no, just I'm me." Not. And if so, I'm the leader of that tribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but and I'm so glad, boy. It's so fun getting old when you don't have to care about that stuff anymore. Yeah, like exactly. all these bands that I had to hate. Yeah, that I I. I, I Nobody was making me hate them, but I was like, nah, fuck Loverboy, fuck Journey, fuck all right. this stuff, you know? Right. Now I can go back and just fucking enjoy it and go, yeah. this is some good shit. Yeah. Some of it's bad, though. Some of bad. What was I listening to the other day? Oh, God. It's on the radio. There's some stuff that's just like, this is terrible. There was some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been a lot that got very famous. That's just, I mean, and that's kind of so, it's so smug to say that, but I was talking about stuff with lyrics that are just so, no thought went into them. Right. You know, nothing. It's just farting out exactly. Bad power ballads in the 80s, there was a lot of bad. Oh, just some of it's just so awful, and I'm just thinking, I can't even enjoy this ironically. But, um, at the same time, I do weirdly enjoy stuff that I hate. (laughs) <laughs> you, know, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in this way where it's contrasting against the stuff that I like. Right. So, you know, do you get that feeling when you're listening to something? Do you ever get weird feelings when you like angry feelings when you're listening to music that you hate? No. If anything, I just tune it out. I'm very good at tuning. I'm just surrounded by constantly hearing music. I'm very easy to just tune something out, even if it's there. I don't have those kind of reactions. I mostly have either positive or boredom. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't had much that's <laughs> made me I think really mine's angry. related to um, when I hear something terrible. I, I have a terrible... I mean, I'm, I'm my own worst critic for sure. So yeah, whenever too. I hear something that's awful, I immediately reference something that I've made. That is like that, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. That I thought was good, and then I think, "Fuck, I, they did is that." Is my crap just like that? Right. Or do I only hate it because I have self hatred? Yeah. Maybe this is actually good, but because I'm hating myself, I'm hating that. See, I'm mostly I hear stuff I love and go, "Damn it! Why isn't my stuff sound this good?" I mostly hate on mad at myself that way when I hear something else, and it's not in a jealous. I wish they hadn't. It's more of a on me like oh why didn't i come up with that that is so good yeah but that's why can't i do because that? somebody's thinking that about what you do I, that would be nice yeah well they are <laughs> I, i'm the guy that thinks that when i hear stuff that you do i go oh man i would have never come up with that like when i've gotten you to do when i'm always trying to trick you into doing string arrangements Big tricks. i mean i can do string arrangements on my own i have it i have melodies in my head yeah. but whenever you do it it's like wow <laughs> no, I wouldn't have done that, and that's amazing. It's not like I wouldn't yeah. have done that and yuck. It's more like, wow, I wouldn't have thought that. Something that's different. not the way my brain works, yeah. and it turns out really good. Cool. Do Thanks. you consciously do that, or is that kind of like your internal song? I think yeah, I don't think that much. Yeah, it's not 
that planned. I start just singing different lines in my head and as quick as I can grab a keyboard and play them in and see if they sound as good as I thought they did. Right. And then little lines, simple lines intertwining. And it's, you know. But it happens in your brain, the melodies and the harmonies? Pre- yeah, mostly. But I'll forget it very quickly. It's very stream of consciousness, so I have to very quickly... I think that's why your stuff is good, though. I really do, because um, I think uh, many people approach things theoretically. Yeah, I don't have that. They know the chords. They know where things are supposed to go. And so they're using their hands and stuff and their theory to create things. Whereas if you're really creating these melodies in your mind, that is visceral. Yeah, yeah, I've I've thought about that because I've I'm not a great theory guy, but I've learned enough to communicate it to others yeah, after the fact. Exactly. But I've never walked in and go, "Ooh, I could I could utilize this structure I learned about." And that's before. probably why I feel like your stuff is recognizable. Like if I heard it passively, I would go, "Huh, I think that might like be John something. Hancock," because Maybe. there's a certain level of. There's a certain element of darkness and melancholy and moodiness to it that isn't dark. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's this moody, dark hopefulness. I don't know if those things combine well, but, you know. Well, thank you. I like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. There is a darkness, but there's always this little bit of sunshine. Yeah, I'm not trying to make horror stuff. No, it's not horrible, yeah. but it's not... Horror, cheap. I mean. It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not horror, but it's also not... Um, overly positive, right? You know, or whatever. It rides that line, and I think that's the line that I like in life: is where you're not, you don't know whether you're supposed to laugh or cry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something. That's a, just yeah. a beautiful. I think that's yeah. really what humanity is. Yeah. Melancholy. That it's the combination of all, you know, emotions happening simultaneously. Yes, but we're always still surprised that there are negative emotions somehow yeah we're surprised like oh what the, what that shouldn't be why is that guy being such an asshole yeah 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 meanwhile it's you <laughs> exactly <laughs> being the asshole so that's good to know though that um oh i wanted to you uh, sent me a podcast um the other day you were nice enough to do that when you heard my podcast and i was i haven't heard it yet um i didn't introduce you to mark orton did i no. Well, no. You introduced me to his band, Tin Hat Trio. Tin Hat Trio, And yeah. by introduced, like, here's a CD you would like this. Right. You literally handed me a physical CD. And but friend, I, wasn't, didn't Pat play in Tin Hat Trio for a minute? They, I don't know if and they Rob played Berger in it, did. but they, yeah, he for sure did. Yeah. And they, and... And Pat and Mark have been friends for years, but right, he, I gave you it's the part CD. of that San Francisco cool guy crowd that, that I. They weren't really cool guys, though. <laughs> they well, they really seemed cool to me. No, they were musical guys. They never, well, they never got into that cool guy. That's thing. cool to me. To so. their credit, you know. Yeah. But um, so tell, just explain for the people listening who Mark Orton is and what you're doing with him. Okay, so yeah, Mark is part. <laughs> where to start? Mark's part of a band. Was part of a band called Tin Hat Trio, yeah. which is this amazing music that sounds somewhere between. I don't even know. He's playing well, like Eastern way, European meets cowboy music. The meets, funny thing is, is I sent you that CD because yeah. it reminded me of you. They, yeah, well, and I Literally. clicked with it so quickly, yeah. and then yeah. when I went and and searched a little more and listened over and over, and I I loved this music for, and this was it's really good. Yeah, and this was 19, probably two thousand nine or yeah. the late nineties, early two thousand ninety nine, two thousand something. So like two thousand ten, I had been applying for years to get into the uh, Sundance uh, Film Composers. Uh, 
what do they call it? Oh my gosh, I can't. I'm I'm blanking out here. I think it was lab. Yeah. There we go. So basically, a summer camp where you get to go for Sounds like two fun. weeks. It was yeah. yeah it was Is it really fun. It was. No. They they're now doing it down at Skywalker Ranch, which I'm sure would be cool. But there's something very charming about setting up six different individual trailers in the parking lot of Sundance in the summertime, and each trailer was its own recording studio. Oh, wow. We each had our own studio, and they would bring up... Um, I'm getting ahead of myself a little here, but they'd bring up other composers from the big Hollywood guys with a scene from their movies they had scored, and you would score that scene, and they would help you slash critique you at the end. Oh, but would you know about their com- composition first? If you had pre... You knew who was coming if you had yeah. wanted to take time and study all their scores. But, but you'd start from without their score just a scene yep just a blank scene just, so just the dialogue you, and sound effects you hopefully don't know what they did yeah and Is if it? I did I would try to forget yeah but I got into that fine. I was really excited I had applied for six years to get into that because yeah. there's only six slots a year and uh and then when I got in, you got to see who else got in, and I saw this name, Mark Orton, because I, I just knew Tin Hat Trio. Yeah. And then I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, man, this is the guy. Yeah. This is the guy from Tin Hat. So yeah. I was really excited. So when I met him, and he was in the class with me, not one of the teachers, which kind of blew me away. And uh, so fortunately, we became really good friends up there. Yeah, and has stayed in touch since, and worked on a lot of things. And he he had already done some film scores, and has gone on to do a lot more since then. Um, he's just great indie stuff, lots of documentaries. That and so doesn't it? Just really doesn't surprise me that you guys ended. Up, when you told me that you guys were working together, I was like, "Well, duh." Yeah, but isn't it, it, how strange that that's what it brought us together. The Sundance Film Utah Composers thing, yeah. Lab, yeah, in Utah, choosing us as the random six people that year, two thousand ten. Did so, I get them a gig at Sundance? I can't remember. When I worked at Sundance uh, as a volunteer, I hooked up with some people with some DJ gigs. And yeah. I feel like Rob Berger came out for something. Was it Tin Hat Trio? I don't know. Might have been. Yeah, but it's fun to have all those connections because you guys are both so talented. What is this podcasting? Tell me about this podcast music you're doing. So it, this just was kind of an unusual thing that came out. Uh, so these gigs have been coming through Mark and his agency. And... Uh, this company came out and they they had a podcast they wanted to actually try scoring instead of just grabbing random library cues yeah so it was called y2k and it was so good it was about uh people freaking out of the year 2000 i remember that yeah everything and they i mean in depth and they went in and found like even the guy who coined the term y2k and it was a computer programmer and how in the late 90s all the computer guys were starting to worry about this at different <laughs> banks, and that's how it started. And this is the same time, of yeah. course, all the religions were saying 2000 was oh, going yeah. to be. So when they heard about it, it's like, there it is. That's, it, man, the world. that's how it's going to happen. And so it followed, it followed the lives of these people. It was great because it's not just an overview. They literally found like a family that sold everything and moved to Jerusalem in 1999 and lived off the land and decided to live just like they did in biblical times. Like learned how, you know, they're herding goats and so wearing robes. So are they interviewing people from back then or yeah just telling the they stories? went and found these people and, and told their stories and if there is any footage how many of, of them are embarrassed um 
that's what was good about this show is it some of them were but all of them learned something from that experience so some of the family that went over there is still over there just because they learned to to live simply and there were the preppers of course yeah that had done all these things and how it helped them survive some of the california wildfires because they had a van always ready to go with food water turn the key and drive away you hey, know man, i don't fault the preppers i was raised mormon yeah we had a we had a two-year food supply in the room next to my bedroom in the basement Literally, did you ever store. eat it oh are you kidding me every night i'd go in there and get a little can of um mandarin orange slices or something like there that. there are a few good things few you'd, good you'd, things. you'd get the fake meat the tvp did we you never get that got, we never got that we would but we had lots of grains and rice and yeah. we did a lot of canning and fruit you know preservation and stuff we like had that. grains we had bought in these paper bags and i remember we'd sit around and you could hear <laughs> the weevils, weevils yes. were suddenly in there I like never oh, heard them. That'd be crazy. we could hear them in the in the closet oh god we used to get these free freeze-dried foods too yeah in big cans and one of them was like freeze-dried cheddar cheese powder <laughs> and we'd try to make your own macaroni, macaroni and cheese with it you know yeah. but it was just really strong and it didn't have the butter and the milk and stuff in it too yeah. and it was really orange like yeah. the orangest orange you ever saw but i would go in and you know have you seen those uh, cinnamon challenges uh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, taking a spoonful of that cheddar cheese was much the same way. <laughs> you think it's a good idea, but then you, you breathe it in and you yeah. cough out a big orange cloud. Out your cheese. nose. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I think a lot of those things were good, though, the two-year supply, because I think most families that had those ended up needing them, period. Sure. Well, I mean, you know there's no mean? reason to not have it. Yeah, and you might as well anyway. be cycle through it. The way we ended up doing it is that we would just keep it stocked. Yeah. You know? Kind of like a little store, you know. We'd use it. It's smart. It, it would get kind of down or whatever. But so this um, podcast, anyway, the preppers. So so we get, we ended up scoring a podcast, which was You're really a fun. Scoring for a prepper. Yeah, Good. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it worked out really well. And they they had us do their next one, which is called uh, Running from Cops, and it is about the TV show cops and same and, thing and so do you score a whole series or do you just score an episode it was a whole series some things got repurposed because you could use the the music over and over in right, different right. edits of some course of them, like background music and uh another interesting thing that we were doing was trying to just deliver things in some stems which means tracks full of different instruments so if there was one instrument they just loved this bass line of something right. they could reuse just the bass line for this 10 second transition yeah or something. that's cool so we're kind of coming up you know hopefully but, we get so to that means that you were doing the music but somebody else was laying it in and deciding where it goes because i would imagine you listen how, we would write the, the first one we were more like we put this exactly here and the other thing that was cool about the podcast is if we moved a phrase to the left or right a little to make room for our musical moment they were fine with that yeah you can't do that in film you can't let the music guy make your well, scene go audio, a little longer. You could, but they, audio, they, I was able to move their thing. They might not even notice it. They might not. Yeah, if the yeah. music's taking over. But they, they had final control. They did the final mix of it, which was great. It's funny. Scoring, though, scoring to me, this is a good topic, though, because I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine. She asked me to watch The Family on Netflix, you know? Yeah. And she said, I like it. She goes, you know, Netflix has turned into a... This is an opinion show, so I get to have an opinion here. Right. But uh, Netflix has turned into a real hard lefty kind of like preaching, preaching, preaching about lefty things. And so it's become almost unwatchable for me. But this woman who I um, generally I trust her opinion on documentaries, when she recommends them, I go, okay. And they're usually good. Yeah. But she recommended the family. I thought, okay, she gave me. But I started watching it. And literally 10, 
no, come on. A minute in, I went, no, no, this is bullshit. And it was the music. Oh, interesting. It was the music that tipped me off. It's always the music that tips me off in a yeah. documentary. That's when I go, I know your opinion. I know you're come from right now with that first note. Yeah, you're over. Because it comes in and he goes, and it's the Christian lobby. Heavy music. Yeah, I'm going, yeah, yeah. Okay, so oh, this, is a, exactly. this is a this is a this yeah. is a series, a documentary. It's an opinion piece right. that is anti-Christian lobby. Yeah, they don't like the Christian lobby. Fine, but they gave it away too yep. soon. That's just <laughs> yeah. that. A lot of those things happen. Maybe not even because there was a maybe there wasn't a composer involved. Yeah, because a lot of these things they don't have a huge budget. So so the director is is trying to exactly do that. Yeah, and so they're like, this is heavy handed. I'm feeling these are the bad guys. So let me find well, no, I'm not bad even, guy. I'm music. not even. I'm not criticizing the use of it. Well, am I? I don't know. Um, I'm just saying, don't call yourself a documentary. You're right. not right, right. a documentary. You have an opinion. You're a pundit. You know what you want to sell. This is art. You're making art. I have no problem with art. You can be as direct as you want to be in art, or you can be as sneaky as you want to be in art. But don't try to call it unbiased. Yeah, yeah. Documentary. When you're putting these minor chord, you know, diminished chords, <laughs> right, 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 right. teaching me exactly what I'm supposed to think about this. Yeah. person on screen yeah i'm supposed to be afraid of them yeah ah, fuck you how about just let me hear what he says and i'll decide well, whether or not i'm and or not. it 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 works is why they do it or at least it does work yeah it's powerful yeah it does work music is magic yeah and especially if people don't even know oh dum dum saw squirrel oh we're in john <laughs> we're in john hancock's backyard by the way john hancock that's his real name yeah it's your real name my parents are super patriotic that. Did they yeah. really do it patriotic? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, that was... Uh, like, when I was nine, we went back east and saw the Statue of Liberty and all that stuff. And we went to uh, where they signed the Declaration of Independence. And she was like, excuse There's me, my son is named John. Can he sit in the chair? And they're like, no. Can't sit in the 300, 200-year-old yes, chair. Please get in line behind the 50 other John Hancocks that are here yeah, today. That's what I found. It's not that unique a name. There's no, tons well, of us on Facebook. I mean, Hancock's not a unique name, and John is above the, what is it, John and Dave? Yeah, and Mike. Our names are the two most, yeah. listen to how my dad names his kids, John, Stephen, Dan, you know, my yeah. brother's at Mike. Yeah. The most bland of all the names we got them all in my family and then now everybody's trying to do like i've got a son azure azure yeah we are going the other way we're going the other way with yeah if kids always rebel against their parents yeah who knows what, yeah okay uh so we were talking about i i got sidetracked i wanted to keep going down this um podcast scoring the yeah. the power of scores the power of scoring what's your opinion about that kind of thing what i mean do you think Here's what I don't like. I just don't like it when people try to pass off something as unbiased when it's clearly not. Is it? Can you have an unbiased thing and have music in it at all? Oh, that's a good question. I don't. I think, think there there's some sometimes where you know Mark will say this and we'll, we'll have a scene and we'll be like, this just needs a little, as he calls it, a motor. There's a yeah. little something churning in the background and just keep it going because there's just some guy talking for three minutes. It gets really boring. So sometimes we'll just have a simple pattern that's yeah. neither good nor bad. You know, no major or minor third involved. Just yeah. some pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-p
you know, a, a composer is working for a director. Yeah. And so if the director says, a... you know, we're looking for this, and a lot of times things are pre with pretempt with something, and so you're gonna, you know. But yeah, you're right. Could you have something neutral with music? You can have kind of neutral music. We've definitely made some neutral, just trying to keep you paying attention to this guy without yeah. having any commentary on whether he's lying or telling the truth. Yeah, it's weird because you know I make music too. And music, I think, even though I I haven't I haven't pushed it forward as much as most of my friends in the music business, I do it just as much. You know, yeah. and. Uh, but I really do have conflicted ideas about uh, the power of music because it is, for me, sometimes just a little bit too powerful. And it's almost one of the reasons, this is an excuse I make for why I haven't pushed much, as much forward, yeah. you know, or out and shared it into the world, is because of that weird responsibility. Now, I'm not saying that I'm making these big, powerful things, by <laughs> exactly. the way. Exactly. You know? With great power. <laughs> <laughs> as well as like what I'm doing. But exactly. I'm not, but, it, but it's really... I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's so important to be honest with it because it's because it's powerful, you know, because you really can put a good song behind a total lie and sell it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have a lot of opportunities to do that to where it's really going to affect things unless you're really trying to write social Army conscious. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like your song about... Muse. Yeah, is not that... And and maybe this is a not quite what you mean, but I think about this sometimes about authenticity in music. And I don't think you exactly. sweat it either too much, but I don't sweat. Am I doing an authentic appellation oh, fiddle thing? Oh, I'm thinking thing? authenticity a different way. But, I see what you're saying. But, yeah. but even that, like we, you used to, you know, we had talks about how you were fine with technology and using your phone for to make oh, beats, and who cared if it wasn't a, a real drummer yeah. Yeah. or those kind of things. Whatever tool you have, uh, yeah, I, I don't sweat that at all. In fact, the more I've done things, I think the different filter lenses we all become is what's important about it. Yeah, like my version of we of some old country music it's not real i didn't grow up with real country music but my no, weird filter version. through old cowboy movies and stuff is its own thing this is literally an idea i was going to do as of my own rant on a podcast yeah. but that it's originality versus authenticity and what's okay. the difference you know yeah. because when you're young as an artist i think a lot of times we go oh, i've already heard that before Man, i'm not gonna do that i'm <laughs> right. not gonna use a rolling juno 106 it's not a style right you know? right, right. Or whatever <laughs> right you know i've heard it before i gotta be original yeah i gotta be original first of all you already are original if you're a person yeah you're already original just don't you don't need to copy somebody it, but you can always do your interpretation of anything I can't say I love you in a song everybody says I love right. you in a song well of course <laughs> because you're using language and it means something you dipshit yeah you know you're going to use it again the question is is are you being authentic are you being truthful yeah you know and I think that's where did you mean I, that yeah that's where I judge art the most if I can sense that somebody is expressing themselves honestly or if they're yeah, that makes sense. trying to bullshit me. Yes. Which a lot of it is bullshit. Right. And I think I can but and I think a lot of people fall for it. I think a lot of times people will use art or music to maybe it's not authentic, but they're trying to make it towards something they wish they were more of. 
sometimes, like to raise themselves up into something else. Like I'm, I'm not like I had no confidence as a young person, like in high school, none, yeah, zero. I was the, just the quiet, quietest nerdy guy at school. But then I, I had music, but it was more like. You know, I played the violin and piano and stuff, which I love. That's not yeah. a knock at all. But when I did get my Juno 106 yeah. and a drum that machine, I started a band, yeah. and suddenly I found my thing, and I started writing and feeling something that made me feel more confident right. and cool. So if I had been totally but that's authentic, authentic. But that is authentic. It was an authentic wish. It was an authentic dream that I was trying. It was an authentic mm. aspiration. Yeah. And it's not like I was writing songs, but if I had just gotten on and written a song about... You mean, you, for example, you mean it wouldn't seem that authentic for a, a sheepish little nerdy guy, you know, to be writing, I'm the greatest badass in the world, I will kick it, the shit out of your face, <laughs> you motherfucker. Yes, and at yeah. the same time, I don't know if it, it would be authentic to say, I'm a loser and yeah. so lonely. Yeah. But if you're writing something in between, like, I just want to put on a costume for a while that I feel confident but, in. See, I think there is... I I think because I, I didn't write about feeling sad. Vulnerability <laughs> you know? still applies there, though. Yeah. Like when you're, I think if you're really being authentic about your wishes and your dreams, that's an authentic wish. It's not. I wish I could be like this. True. True. You know, if you're, <laughs> John just Slippery. threw the phone at his own face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Through the spaz phone at his own face. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I'm glad but, too um, that's not video. No, I think that that can be authentic too. Like if you're expressing your true, you know what I mean. I think you know. Expressing, what I mean. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm splitting hairs here because the worst thing about the worst and best thing about art and art critique is that you're always right. <laughs> And you're always <laughs> wrong. wrong. I know. Like, no matter what. Yeah. Because yeah. if somebody else likes it, then fuck your opinion. Yeah. You know? Exactly. The opinion machine is kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. It's like, who gives a shit? Right. What your opinion is. If I like something, I'm going to like it. And why are you trying to talk me out of liking something? And that's probably one of the best freedoms you can give yourself. But sometimes it doesn't happen until a little later in life. Yeah. Going back to what you said earlier, though, I like, um, about... Um, not getting wrapped up in not liking something yeah you, you're able to just ignore it yeah um i think it's good to really try to like things yeah. you know yeah like why why spend effort uh trying to talk people that's what one change i've been trying to make because i know i spent a lot of my life um that's stupid why do you like that oh my god yeah. you're an idiot yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I wasn't overbearingly that way, but I was, I can remember being that way a little sure. bit. You're trying to define the tribes. Yeah. You, if you want to be in this tribe, you got to hate you that. You can't be listening to this bullshit. Right. We, you don't, we don't wear that kind of hat, you fucker. Right. You know? <laughs> I love it. I wish you really did talk that way back then. <laughs> like your your voice has changed. You've matured. <laughs> yeah, your little tape. You know what's funny though about the, you know how I present the podcast with a tape cassette yeah. tape. Right. That's an actual that's an actual film that I made with that phone. Uh, not that phone. Of of a cassette tape. One of those my, blank ones. In my Tascam Porta One. Right. Which was a four track I bought the same week as I bought my Juno 106. You know, way back then when I was 16 years old, making my own four track recordings. Yeah. So yeah. that film is of that tape. Oh, that's cool. I was going somewhere with that. Now I've forgotten where I was going. 
forgot what I was going to say about that. Talk. What were we talking about? We were talking about, did you used to really talk that way? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you can't like... Oh, what I was going to say is um, right before I decided to use that tape, I pulled that Tascam Porta 1 out of the little shelf on which it was sitting, just looking cute. Yeah. And I thought, oh, can I get this to work again? And I got it working again, and the tape that was in it was a tape of me... On my Mormon mission, because I took that thing with me on my Mormon mission. Oh, you did? You're not. Is that still working? I hope so. Yeah, it's still going. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it was a tape of me, just a tape I made apparently for my dad that I never sent to him because I still have it. Uh-huh. But it was just me walking around the favelas of Brazil, describing what I'm looking at, talking a little. Because it was battery operated. Well, I didn't. Be. I didn't make it with the Porta One. I made it with a different thing. But okay. I just happened to have the tape in there, and on the uh, other side of that it. tape was just a long rainstorm, a Brazilian rainstorm. Oh, that's cool. So I was making a little art shit yeah, yeah. on my Mormon mission. You, did you go on a mission? I did, did. and it just reminded me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did. I went to Texas, and I couldn't give up making music yeah. at all. So my, my main maid, I asked my mom, and she did, to send me out my Yamaha drum machine. Whoa. And I would go into the chapels on Mondays, which is the P day, which stands for preparation day. For yep. people who don't know, you get one day off. And I would hook up uh, the drum machine over the PA system Whoa. in the chapel. And, and then companion was like, this is cool. Yeah, this is cool. And then yeah. I'd record and then I'd record it and then I'd play either the big pipe organ along with the drum beat Holy or shit. the grand piano. Do you have? You, when was the last time you heard these recordings? I, I don't, I hope you I... You gotta find them. I gotta find them. I was digging through these cassettes of these more, this mission and I'm like, oh man, I made a whole bunch of shit. And yeah. my voice is totally different. I sound like a young kid from Utah. Like my yeah. Utah accent was much more pronounced. Yeah. You were more Utah. Yeah. I didn't know that, but just a young... And I think I was aping David Letterman, oh, too. interesting. Like, my cadence. Yeah. I, I know I was a big fan of David Letterman yeah. back in those days, but I listened to myself and I was going, uh, I can see. I don't know where you got that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, not being authentic. I, I have a cassette downstairs that I made before I went on the mission. I know it's me talking yeah. about what I'm into and what I liked. It was meant to be like a time capsule thing. And oh. I haven't listened to it. Dude, I wanna, I'm too afraid to listen I to it because I'm going to be so embarrassed. Do you, do you have any idea where <laughs> the tapes are of you and your drum machine and the organ? No, that I would listen to. I would love to hear that. I, I would like don't to place it in right here. That would be a, if you knew where that was because that would be cool. I did a similar thing. Like I would go in. And just, I didn't know how to play the piano or anything, but I just loved going in. I could, my companion would go down the hall into some other room in the chapel. Yeah. And I'd just fuck around on the piano, yeah. you know, playing whatever I thought I could play, which was nothing. I knew nothing about piano. And I resisted it. This is another dickhead move on my part, is I always resisted theory. I always resisted knowing anything about it. Like, I don't want any yeah. musical theory infecting me. I want to make sure that it comes from my brain, from my heart, God damn it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it really wasn't <laughs> only until about five years ago that I started going, all right, I'm going to fucking take some... Uh, you watch some YouTube piano tutorials. Just some basic, yeah. So I can actually communicate what I'm playing to other players. Yeah. Like, I'm, this is a C minor. Yeah. Like, I know what these things are now. Right. And it, may, it, it makes that a lot easier. Makes it way easier. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make the music any better. Um, and I do still see how that it can be a crutch mm-hmm. when you know a key and you know uh, it's better when you just use your mind. 
you know or even if you don't know what you're doing on the piano to ignore your theory and just feel around that's generally i think what you're kind of supposed to do if you were doing things traditionally but going all the way with it is you should learn it so you can forget it yeah so it's just kind of subconscious with you as a tool I think that's better. Just eyes closed and just kind of feeling out what is going on. Yeah. You know, like if if I have to, I feel better about compositions and music I make when I have to look up the chords later. Yeah. You know, when I go, all right, what is this? I I have an, an app on my phone called P Chord. And I'll have to just, it's a reverse chord finder where you put the notes in and it will tell you what chord you're playing. That's cool. So I'm still proud of my ignorance yeah which is gross i have some of that yeah it's just going back to exact um it well i do think early on you can hide behind it like i don't know what i'm doing it becomes a quick thing to say well i i'm just what you said i'm i'm creative yeah i don't want to i don't need training yeah exactly i came out this way i'm I'm here to break new ground in this world yeah i really did that a lot did i ever do that to you i wonder I, I don't remember did. any particular moment or project. I guess project. we probably wouldn't still be friends if either one of us was completely overbearing. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. You and I can go like a year without talking. We just kind of pick back yeah. up. It's good. That's the great thing about getting old is that um, you don't you don't see your friend for a year and then you see him and you just go, oh, you look older. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> and then, and then they it. do too and you feel okay about it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually find that uh, friendships are better when you get older because... Um, like I've said, I said this in a song, you, you can never make a new old friend. You know? oh, yeah. And the passage of time accounts for something. Yeah. It really does. Even yeah. if you're not constantly in communication, the fact is, and I'm figuring this out as I get older too, it's just like, um, I've got more in common with my enemies from high school than I do with brand new people that I meet. Yeah. That I like. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I could sit down and have dinner with an enemy from high school, and it'd probably be more comfortable. Yeah, and, and maybe more entertaining. <laughs> and we probably agree on more things, too. Yeah. Because we really are a product of our environments in many ways. Yeah, we don't want to admit it. We don't we... want to admit it. Oh, I was going to go back to that, too. Back to the music thing. Um, you know how when you're defining yourself tribally? Yeah. You don't know when you're doing it, but that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're finding your tribe. I was being a new waver and a breakdancer. I wanted to be in two tribes because yeah. I had to mix that shit up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I was a new wave breakdancer. I had my foot in both I've tribes. never seen you make any breakdance move ever. No. I didn't. I, that, was, well, that was all I pre was a pop me. locker. Pop locker. Oh, not awesome. Great. I didn't spin around on the ground. I moved my body in funny ways like a Can robot. Can you still do any of that? And well, I'm not, I'm not I asking I'm a, that to ask you to do it for me. I, Just, I'm fantastic. Get me drunk and I dance like a, an old black man. So, okay. Yeah. I'm okay. not bad. Anyway. Yeah. And I judge people who can't dance. I really do. I'm very judging. But, um, I'm in trouble. Uh, what was I saying? Tribal. Oh, yeah. You um, you're defining yourself. But what I've found, so you pick all this music, right? And a lot of it doesn't stand the test of time. Like, for me, a lot of that stuff I pretended to like, yeah. I didn't know I was pretending to like it until I now I hear it now and I go, what the fuck is this crap? Yeah. Like, most of R.E.M., for example, like I really yeah. like, there's still, still, which is weird because a couple of my favorite songs are REM songs. Yeah. But for the bulk of it, ugh, yeah. hate it, can't stand it. But what I was saying is that, so you choose all this music, but what I've been, what I've found is that the music, I set up a, uh, a Pandora station that was all 
70s soft rock. Yeah. And I was like, I heard it all and I was like, this stuff is deeper in my bones. The stuff I got passively through the radio yeah. when I was 12 and 13 is deeper in my bones. I know all the words. Yeah. Like, I revisit stuff that I thought I loved that I chose and I don't know it nearly as well as this fucking shit like Christopher Cross and like stuff I made <laughs> right. fun of. Yeah. You know? And yet you totally remember it. Yeah. Stuff that came through the radio. Yeah. Like what you were talking about with Charlie Daniels and Right. Um, it's more it's in your bones more. That you took in just cuz yeah, you had no social implications with it. I'm trying to imagine what is in your bones because your music is like um I mean the stuff that's you probably didn't listen to Andrew Lloyd Webber. And you probably don't even like people saying that. Here's, here's what's weird. So my parents wouldn't let me listen to pop music or rock music at all until oh, I was, you know, so like 11 or 12. Right. So I grew up um, mostly listening to film score stuff. Interesting. So, and classical music. But also there was lots of Broadway show stuff. This was pre... Well, Lloyd Webber was doing stuff. I don't remember what I heard. I remember like sitting listening to those kind of soundtracks. Phantom or of the Opera. No, this is way before that. Because you do have a certain dramatic element. Or you used to more. Now it's They were more like Linda... It was like Frank Sinatra-y stuff. Oh, okay. I mean, they were into musicals, but we're talking... This is the, you know, early 70s. They weren't into hair. That's for sure. Right. They would have been into Hello, Dolly. Exactly. (laughs) That's what my mom's record collection... Rodgers and Hammerstein. ...was like Henry Mancini. We had a bunch of Henry Mancini. For sure. Tons of that. The Mancini stuff. Uh, The Letterman. But like, I, you know, a, a TV show I'd like, or a movie, or like... I remember going and getting the Battlestar Galactica record of yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah. You know. See, that makes sense because you know. your your music really is filmic. That's what I related to the most. Yeah. So pop music didn't come till much later. But I really did enjoy it. When I really did hear rock guitars, I was like, oh, wow. That is the I one like thing this. I could say probably about your music is that it definitely always seems like it belongs in film. And I'm always just waiting you for, for you to... Cr- to, to w- score your big um, film gig, I would love that. Yeah, that, that's on my radar still. I'm, yeah. I'm working towards that. It's, yeah, with the podcast and stuff. And Mark Orton's doing that. Well, kind we've of been stuff doing too. more films too. The podcast is kind of an anomaly. Have we, you worked on films with Mark Orton? Oh, for sure, way more than that. The pod, like I said, the podcast is just this little blip what, that what was really been, cool. Are there films? I like that, to do more. I saw that one with the guy um, from the Polygamist Show. Uh, What's the guy's actor name? The old guy. He was in the the Many Wives show in Utah, and then he had that. Um, Mark Orton did the soundtrack. North Dakota or something? Oh, uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. He, he did that one. He did that one. He did that one. Did. I wasn't part of that. It was kind of right after that he started pulling me on a few things. We've got a. We've done a bunch of documentaries. A documentary called Breakthrough. It's about this guy who has come up, discovered a really great cure for certain kinds of cancer Uh and the whole process he had to go through but he was like this total texas guy who plays harmonica in bands in bar bands and stuff yeah and willie nelson is involved with it somehow wow cool uh, yeah so so yeah we've been doing more of that so that's actually what i'm trying to point my compass yeah well i mean that would be such a good gig for a guy like you yeah i love that and the good thing, too, is as we're aging, we're yes. both getting older at the exact same rate, so we can talk about this. We can. I, can't, I always forget, are you older or am I older? Like, I think I'm like a few one months. year or six months older than you. Yeah, that's why you're so much wiser. So much wiser. That's why you're... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's why. But, uh, um, but yeah, you can do that. F- yeah. 
But that, the I know what thing you're going to say. You can you, do that forever. Yeah. Well, it's not also, age-based it as works much. in your favor. Yeah. People, when they got a lot of money invested in a film, don't want some kind of 20-year-old uh, asshole like I was. Yeah, I don't, I don't love music. Man, I do things my own way. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't want that coming in. They want yeah, some I'm experience. doing it on my iPhone, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, they want they want somebody who's got some wrinkles on their face, got some gray hair, They they that they can trust, that has yeah. a... A whole stream that's yeah. done it before and so i'm still in mentorship phase with mark i mean he's i didn't get to say this before but he is one of my all-time he's who i look up to yeah in so many ways he's one of the smartest guys i've ever met dude and, and look at me I, i'm music. putting a star I mean, on my forehead because i'm set you the cd first you did you've yeah because yeah. i mean hopefully we might still have met and been friends but i walked in as a fan already i wonder if you would have though if you would have seen his name and you'd never heard Tim Hat Trio. He would have just been a random guy. Maybe. I still would have liked the music he made because he was making that exact oh, yeah. same kind of music up well, there. I, that's he brought obvious. up weird instruments. and I, I awesome. just happened to be the guy. But, if you, but you were right. But, but yeah, I walked in knowing who he was. And This is my podcast, so I make shit about me. For sure. It's totally. You see what I'm saying? I will give you all the credit for that. I'm totally happy to give that's credit cool. for that. Yeah, well, Mark Orton needs to give me some fucking credit, too. Yeah, just drive up and go, go up to Portland. I Talk see to in him. Portland? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yep. fun. He's just got this cool house and a great studio in his backyard and makes it all there. And how do you guys, how does that a mentorship like that work? Like when it, a project comes in, it lands on his desk, and then he goes, ah, this, John would do this better. Is that how it works? We, no, we've, it's always just been doing it together. He hasn't thrown a whole project to me yet. Right. And how do you do it, though? How do you work? So it's, it's great. I mean, you know, they're going to him for those reasons you're talking about. He's got the experience. His, his, I always say he, he's got an IMDb page that counts. <laughs> yeah. I'm still filling mine up. Right. But uh, you're getting that. Yeah, exactly. And he's okay. been cool enough to give me co-credit on a lot of things. And some of them is additional music, which also counts. But it's yeah. it's literally like, hey, you've got this film, and he'll send me the clips. And In other words, he and gives I'm not credit ghosting. where it's due. Yes, I'm not ghosting for him at all. Yeah. He's so great that way. It'll always be credit, and he tells them, hey, my you know my friend John is working on this. So yeah. he, he gives me credit on it and makes sure. But we just throw things back and forth. We're not in the same room together. We're that far apart but we are just talking 20 times a day or texting yeah but it's like you know it's very organized like you're gonna why don't you take from you know 13 minutes 28 seconds frame three up until this time and we're kind of doing this style and a lot of times it's pre-tempt and so i'll write something just for that send him an mp3 if he God, likes I need it to go, i want to interview him now just because i don't know him well i mean he, might, he, he probably wouldn't even He's re- remember super me. interesting we oh, met he would a num- we've, we've, we've met a number of times your name has come up maybe sure. g- maybe we were a couple parties together but um i never really spent any time with him but i want i want to interview him about what he thinks about because he's obviously sending stuff to you, so he's obviously discovered the magic of John Hancock as well. <laughs> and he's probably he's been very generous. And I'm I, super I, I, grateful because I kind of so wonder how much he wants to keep you a secret a little bit. Because there is that thing, and this is another <laughs> thing that I'm going to say about you that might be part of the reason is that you've got so much talent that I think a lot of people, when they find you, do want to keep you a secret for them. Selfishly, like they just want to go. Oh, I don't nice, want anybody but... else to find out. I don't want him working on this. If, if, if John goes off and works on this, how am I going to get it? Yeah, work from well, him. I don't know if that's happened, but that's I a compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I think that it might. I, I, I think it could be a thing. But like, I definitely don't that. have that with him. 
he's he's super encouraging yeah that's like cool. yeah, he, he's he like you should be way more busy you should be doing more and and he's and he's yeah, got enough it's food been all give plate. from him yeah he's got it's great yeah well that's really cool well yeah, you see. should talk to him i should i should go to portland yeah this is pretty good we're at one hour and 11 minutes yeah that's pretty, that's not bad, right? No, that's good. Because I wanted to get into a longer form discussion, right? Because I enjoy long form discussions. I do too. On because jo- I I find that if you're if you're listening to podcasts, you're doing it passively. Yeah. Right. I'm on a walk. I'm out cleaning yeah. something in the yard. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. And you actually a lot of times you want to look for something long, like when I'm driving from San Francisco to here three-hour Joe Rogan podcast fit the bill because I think, oh, okay, there's four podcasts I can listen to and then I'll be there. Or three, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't want them to be short because I don't want to be fiddling around in the car That's exactly choosing a different one. And they always go fast when you're into it. I mean, maybe this one will go fast. How long are the podcasts that you've been um, scoring? Uh, They're broken into sections. So they're they're formatted um, like one hour long. One hour each? um, Usually six to eight because you know, when, hours I, total. when I listen to Conan, Conan Needs a Friend is a good podcast. I need to listen to that one. He talks too much, but um, he's funny, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. And his assistants talk too much, too. But he's nice and magnanimous that way. But they're a little bit too short. They only, it lasts an hour, and I'm thinking, eh, you're just yeah. getting started. Yeah, you go a lot longer. Is he interviewing people? Uh, or is he well, just talking? I think the podcast thing works better when people are just having conversations. I think that's why podcasting is kind of... Um, on the rise, I think that's why it's a better medium. Yeah. It's because I think people are thirsting for not interviews, not bullet point, right. get to this, plug this, plug that, but they just want to hear people talking things out. And I think the best ones are wrestling with ideas. Haven't you found, too, that listening to those long ones that you... I can't think of hardly any that I've heard that I didn't end up liking their in, their person more than I did going in. Oh, wait. Almost. There's well, a cu- I can think, think of a couple. I'm like, no, that guy was oh, an idiot. No. I, yeah, or I that guy th- was really weird, but at least I see his humanity. I, I can think of some <laughs> where, uh, like I've seen him on Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, like for, I'll just say his name, David Pakman, who's a guy who I kind of liked. He's got a liberal opinion uh podcast yeah uh youtube channel but um he's like one of the people that a lot of people would go okay he's a decent guy on the left or whatever yeah but when i saw him on rogan i was like i hate this guy because joe rogan is a is such a great we're talking about podcasts on a podcast but the reason why he's good (laughs) is because he's just curious enough yeah that he can draw out the intelligence of another person yeah because he legitimately wants to know because he's curious. Right. Right? So that's really good. And if his guest has more knowledge than he does, then that's a perfect combination. Right. He's drawing out all the information from a person with a lot of knowledge. If his guest is dumb, or if Joe's the smartest one in the room, it's not. It's hard to listen to. Yeah. Right? It's like, no. Because then you're just listening to Joe repeating secondhand stuff he heard that he learned on his other podcast. Yeah, that he learned from his last guest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's always better to have... Um, but, I, but I do know what you're saying. In a good conversation, long form, I think at least you uh, develop some sort of human type of connection. What's she chasing? Probably sensing. We got lots of critters up here. Yeah, you have deer back here. We have deer. We have. I've seen raccoons. 
John Hancock just happened to move right around the corner of one of my childhood homes, which was up on 17th Avenue. Yeah. We were broke as fuck, and that's not a broke as fuck neighborhood. No. This, this is isn't not. a broke as fuck neighborhood no. at all. No. We just happened to score because I think some woman, a friend of my mom's, took pity on my mom. She was single with four kids, you know, selling Shackley. I don't know if oh you know gosh, that exactly. is. Yeah, it's like dude. a lower brand of uh, like Avon. Like an old, old, old school MLM. Yeah, oh, way old school. Yeah, yeah. Shackley. <laughs> and isn't it funny there's a Mormon, that multi-level marketing is such a Mormon thing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the biggest here. They learn another mission. But we, we were, she was selling Shackley up the road, and uh, we only lived there for like, I don't know, a year and a half. But, you know, when you're a kid, a year is such a huge slice yeah. of your pie. yeah. Do you find yourself going back into your childhood more and more as you're getting older? What do you mean, thinking about it? Well, more? reconnecting with old friends, um, find, just finding it to be more important. Maybe not. Yes and no. I I haven't stayed in touch with too many old friends, and the ones I have, I'm quite in touch and have stayed in touch the whole time. Right, right. But no, I haven't. I, I remember going to like a high school reunion and being like, okay, that was enough. I. There's nothing new here to reconnect Well, with. yeah, I guess the way I'm like that. But maybe I think the difference is that I don't think you ever... Um, I, I think I was more of an asshole than you. Like, when I moved out of Utah and moved to San Francisco, yeah. I didn't know this at the time, but a lot of it was just thinking, oh, this pond is too small to contain my bigness. I'm going to go out and do bigger and better things. <laughs> exactly. Stand on me big enough for my dreams. Fucking Utah people. <laughs> Mormons. Idiots. Yeah, exactly. People believe in God. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. going to go out and hang out with the gays. Yeah. I'm a liberal. I'm right. cool. Right. You know, I didn't think that I was thinking that, but when you look back, like this wasn't stuff that was in my active brain, but um, it was subdued. It's that. It's the yeah. background noise. Yeah. You know, I don't think you ever had that. I I had a, a desire to move away and do those things, but yeah, as you say that, yeah, that was totally how we all felt back then. I guess everybody <laughs> does, huh? Yeah, I think so. You moved out of Utah for a while though, didn't you? No, never. Just the just the Mormon mission. And I came back here, and I started a business, and started into this. I thought and you then did bought a, stint a home in and built a studio in the home, and I just kept planting roots, and then started a family, but not till a lot later. And you're doing music every day of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, oh yeah. Like, so no dry spells. You're just plugging away. I wouldn't say that, but it's like I, I think of it's like any self-employed job. Yeah. You have a all of a sudden you get hit with a ton of stuff. Like I'm in a good comfortable moment right now, but I feel a big storm of work coming. Yeah. That I'll be dying. And then all of a sudden I'll go two months with nothing. But I'll be grateful for that actually. Yeah, because then it's a break. It, it would be nice if it was spread out even, but you don't get that in any self employed. That's anything. the kind of nervousness of that, especially in the art world, is the you know, you get your big paycheck, but then, you know, what's coming next yeah you always got you just got to stretch it out it's a wonderful i've gotten thing. used to that after all these years well not 100 percent used to it it's still stressful but i always compare myself i'm like you know if i were a you know self-employed plumber or something i'd be feeling these same things that's true but people's toilets are always clogging it's true and i guess but people are always looking for music too but now that there's so many people it's more impressive when you make it now yeah, it's, it's when, harder to pop out. It now, really is. Definitely. Like if you if you can really make yourself a a good career now, it's more impressive because everybody's got the tools. Look at us. We both we're both holding a, 
and and you know a fifty track studio. Yeah, that is a TV station too. Right, you can broadcast it to the entire world right here with Live. this device. Yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. Gear is no longer an excuse. The no. lack of gear, no, is a no longer excuse. No, everybody has the tools now. Now it's just whether you're going to do it or not, or whether you, anybody gives a shit. I think. <laughs> One thought, going back to like what, what music you like, I just want to say another thought I've always had is, and I had this as I hit about even in my 30s, like you start to watch your friends who are into certain music, that's, that's it. They stop right there. They can't like anything new. Did you, right. did you notice that? Yeah. Like whatever was cool in high school or college, that's what well, you love I think and that's, that's it. Yeah. That's I, probably the majority. I sum it up like this. I, I think most people join, fight, and die for whatever army finds them first. You Good know, yeah, they put exactly that right. they put that uniform on when they're about seventeen years old. Yeah, they joined it. They fight. They die for that army. Yeah, you know. Yep. I've never felt that way. I haven't either. And I, I but I, and I think my attitude might be even. It's maybe unhealthy to the other degree. I'm always abandoning. You know, I, yeah. I, I've always felt abandoned in my life, but really, I'm the abandoner. I move away from my town. I move away. Yeah. You know, I kill the projects I get involved in. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. But, so it's, it's just the opposite of the deal. Deal. I always want, what's the different army? Well, what right. makes this one? Yeah. Oh, I'm not so sure I like this army. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm so I'm abusive to everybody around me. It's terrible. I'm pretty loyal to them, but I'm I'm happy to try and take on multiple armies at the same time does this mean you're because i don't search out new music or anything like that well you know both either in film or pop and dance music there's a there's constantly change happening but i, I remember thinking as i was you know settling i'm in my 30s and i'm like okay this is it this is my career i got to make this all the way to the end but i remember saying as soon as i can't find something i like about what's new it's time to quit. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm always, like you said, you know, stretching to find things I like. Even if my first response is sometimes like, oh, this, again, We didn't we just do this? I just did this 15 years ago. This is cool again? Okay, all right. Let me well, find what an, I love about it well, and wait, let me get into it. What's an example of that? I'd have to think of something. Yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, even the fact that so many 90s things are back now. Sure, Certain yeah. Certain 90s sounds, I'm like, really? I, I just sold this on eBay like five years ago and now... I shouldn't have sold it, I guess. Your Juno 106. No, I, that I have. That I yeah. have. Was Actually, that your first I've, keyboard? I've that was my first keyboard. Absolutely. I, yours was the first one, too? For sure. Oh, I think look we at talked that. about this. Uh, yeah, but for some reason, I got my wires crossed, and I thought that you were a Yamaha DX7 guy. I never did have one of those. What a terrible accusation that I accused How you of. How dare you? See? The the DX7 road sound. No. I still don't like that no, sound. No, I, I wasn't a fan of DX7. <laughs> I have not. See that? I had a negative uh, a stereotype about you that I've been harboring all these years that, that I didn't I was even a know DX7? that I had. No. Like, how dare me? How dare, <laughs> how dare I? <laughs> Foist the DX7, yeah, the DX7 upon on me. you. I should have known you were a Juno 106 guy. Dear, yeah, exactly. I still own my Juno 106, but it is in the possession of a good friend in New York. Oh, there you She's go. She's beat it to hell. But I, I figured I wasn't using it, and she was touring with it and stuff like that. Their values back up. Yeah, it goes up and down, doesn't it? It does go up and I down. I don't really want it, Yeah, honestly. My, it's nostalgia right. for me. I haven't used it for years. But you, it's fun to have it. Like, I'm glad I got the Porter one. It's small. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm using a video of it. Yeah, exactly. I've sold off a lot of things, but I've never tried... I've tried not to sell anything that actually makes a sound. There's only been one or two since. 
Oh. That I sold. Like, like, like I'll sell off controllers or stands. Or do you use them, though, the things that make a sense? You don't. You use the software, digital versions. Def- more and more, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because it's just so much of it is about speed and then and then traveling. Because a lot of times i got to put it on a laptop and then run to L.A. and work down there with my friends down there. And i got to pull it up the same sound. I don't want to... What's your opinion about this whole analog versus digital thing? I, I've never had a strong one. Well, I, my thought is... I think most people can't tell the difference anyway. I can't. Right? I mean, you know, and, and I, and then there's, I'd say half the people that claim they can are faking it because they want to be cool. But you can though, right? A little bit, but not Because not I remember just a, a year, song, about a year ago, you, know? you gave me a speech and I, because I, I was taking that, nobody can tell who, and you said, no, I have these big monitors and I can tell. And then I think there was an example well, where Well, I think we were talking yourself. about like audio quality, like MP3s versus full wave files and stuff. Dum Dum, come here. That's what happens when you do a podcast in a backyard. Exactly. It's a soundtrack. I'm not even going to edit this out. Yeah, might as well. Why would I edit it out? Our neighbors are home with their dogs. Create work for myself. They've been gone most of the summer, but they're back now. Come here, dum-dum. Oh. You can pick up dogs by their skin. By the scruff. That's good. I think it would be fine if if I could grab a person by the back of the neck. Yeah. Their skin, it probably would do it. You've seen those people that hang by their with with hooks in <laughs> exactly. their back skin. Yeah, yeah. You can probably do. You it. You could probably do. You it. could probably do it if you build up the tolerance. Yeah, but who has hands big enough to do that? No. If you're big enough to pick up somebody by the skin of their back, yeah, and they have loose enough skin. <laughs> right. See, this is <laughs> this is something I want to see. This, this is going to get us into a second hour. No, see, but this is something I want to see. If you see a person who was formerly fat, yeah, they lost a bunch of weight, so they have a bunch of extra skin, and they're short, yeah. right? So this would this is how that would work. You'd have a, a shorter person, say five foot two. They used to be three hundred pounds. They lost all the weight. Then you get a six foot five guy, and. Uh, he can pick her up, and he's huge. He can just pick her up by the skin. That'd be awesome. I want to see that. <laughs> That's a TV show right there. <laughs> I just want to see somebody do that. See, now, if we're, if we're this the Howard Stern show, be a few phone calls away, you know, you can say, yeah. we need a fat, uh, a fat, a formerly fat midget. You can't say that word. You're right. Um, but you know person. what I'm talking about, little person. Yes. A person with whatever syndrome that is. Right. Um, we need them to come down to do this. Execute yeah. it. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, what are we at? Well, 126. We that's about a, that's one and a half hours. I think we can. We don't need to go for a marathon here, do we? I, I guess not. I'm you sure, got anything we, you I'm sure add? we could. People should know you directed our videos. Those two videos oh. and how much fun we had doing those. I had a lot of fun doing those. I you, often, you should th- just throw them up on your Facebook. At oh, this but point. see, that's another. That's a fun thing to talk about. You're yeah. a perfect example. I can prove to the world. I talk about how I sabotage things by getting all uh, nitpicky on things like that. I do that with even videos. Like somebody does a video, I don't want to sign a fucking contract. Yeah. Yeah. Why does it say this? I'm cross. I make yeah. everything more difficult than it needs to be because I want it to be goddamn simple. Yeah. And it isn't. If you get into the business world, you're going to have to figure out how to take phone calls from lawyers and right. managers. And yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. What's my problem? Why can you do that? Why can't I? It's, it's, to me, it's the trade-off. 
Yeah. It's like, what am I getting out of this? And also knowing the intent of like certain things, with certain contracts with smaller companies, I know these people and what is it saying? It's, if it's what we agreed to, what do I care? But see, at the same if time, I, if I'm worried, because yeah. remember, a lot of times too, you just want to make sure it protects you as much as them. But I, I don't have that. I I can handle enough authority if I'm like, okay, this protects me too, and it's just makes everybody know what's up. Yeah, and, and it's usually a two second thing, and I'm done with it. I have definitely read things and gone like, oh, change this, change that. We we've had this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't have as much of a visceral. It's probably it, it's mostly it yeah, it's do. probably more self sabotage than anything else. But um, because obligation is a real thing that creates a lot of stress for me. Yeah. Like as soon as I'm obligated, I just want to get it done over a handshake and go. It's going to get done. Yeah. You know, but as soon as there's an obligation to get it done, then that it's not as fun anymore. You know. I think maybe that's why I also don't have a problem with it. I work really well with deadlines and stuff. Well, that's what really I was just well about to that. say. I, is I, like, I, I'm good at that. Like, I, I think I do my best stuff. It's like I need a deadline and accountability, too. Yeah, and so that it creates part of that. Like, you will deliver something by... Like, I just signed something for, you know, Warner Brothers, something I got to deliver in the next... I've got till end of October. I'm like, yeah, great. If I don't have a deadline... I mean, I'm still going to do a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, I produce a lot. I don't share a lot, but yeah. I make a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm always creating and making things. So I don't need a deadline to actually create things, but to share things, yes. You know. But maybe it creates cuz I know you've talked about, you know, the frameworks. Sometimes even like I'm going to share this, this creates a parameter. Yeah. I might be more creative in it if I know an audience or what I'm doing because I love doing that like hey you're going to make this kind of music now and yeah. it's fun to me like put on a costume I'm yeah. going to pretend I'm country music guy on this one thing for a minute now I'm making this straight dance beat and I really enjoy putting on the different I wouldn't say costume just suits oh yeah it's true and that's you know? all good stuff and, and this podcast is honestly part of it is me just getting used to um, negative uh, feedback yeah, because I'm so tender and uh, wussy about my music, you know. Uh, okay. That like when the times I've shared it, most of the stuff I shared was well received by the small audience to whom I released it, you know, Facebook or whatever, and uh, it was well received. But yeah. then I released one, and like even if it doesn't get a certain amount of reaction, I get really super insecure. Uh, okay, yeah. I think I even texted you like, yeah, yeah. "How long do I need to live this up before my heart breaks into a million pieces?" <laughs> like, how do you deal with that? Like, when you really put your heart into something, and then it's not well received, or there's just indifference about it. Okay, that that's something I've definitely thought about because I make so much music. Yeah. That I I don't get too precious about things. Yeah, I'm way too precious. Yeah, that that'll that'll slow you way down it's yep. like i want to do my best in that moment when i'm feeling that moment and then when it's done it's done and i'm already looking to the next thing especially yeah. when you're putting records out and they don't come out for a month or two after you've finished it i'm already on to 16 other things yeah it's like, oh yeah that record's coming out and that was like that it. when i was when i was you in know? my Flickr photography heydays i was just pushing stuff out the door yeah. same thing so yeah i just gotta work up the nerve and the method to release them and i i, I want to just Use the cassette tape, simple recording, just a guy on a piano. Because if I give myself too many options, yeah, I'm not good with it. Like if I start flushing out the full production of a song, 
I can polish a turd endlessly. Yeah. You know, for the rest of my life. And then it just still, and the more time I spend polishing it, the less likely I'm going to feel good about it. Right. You know, because the more time I've had to think. See, that's where like, deadlines come in. Yeah. Because then I'm just like, I guess I'm done. Yeah. This, this needs to be done That's why now. I'm kind of, I think I'm going to start music Mondays and just have to put out a song every Monday. Yeah. You know, and then like maybe the first of each month do a video, you know. But yeah. One song a week. I write songs almost every day, so I figure the best song of the week or the most recent song of the week, and then whatever. Yeah, yeah. Who I knows? don't get that precious, and and that doesn't mean I'm not looking for the quality or not spending the time. Yeah. But not like what will people think? It's like I don't know. I've got I got six other things waiting now. It's good to just be busy, keep going. right? Yeah. Because if you're not good. busy, then you just start yeah, scrolling I'm at my comments worst and shit. I'm, yeah. <laughs> That's the worst thing you could po- po- possibly ever do is try to engage with a comment section. <laughs> exactly. Any of them. Yeah. No offense to some of my good commenters, but right. my lord, that's yeah. not a it's not a rewarding endeavor. No. If you're spending too much time. No, I don't I don't engage with that hardly at all. <laughs> yeah. As you've noticed, you rarely ever see a comment from me. No, you don't. Things. You're not you're not super internet. You're right about that. You're not a Super self-promoter. You just stick your head down and do good work. I'm trying. High five. Whoopsh. I think that's, that's the end the of this of episode. High On a high five, that's always a good one to end Don't on. you think? It's yeah. a good way to end it? Yeah, it's good. Anyway, thanks, John Hancock, for having this nice conversation Thank in your you, backyard. Mr. Merkley. I'm kind of bummed that a deer didn't show up. I know. It'll probably happen as soon as... But we did have barking dogs. We did. So that's good. And to everybody that's listening, thanks for listening.